This episode is sponsored by Aircon, one of the UK's finest analogue gaming festivals taking place at the Harrogate Convention Centre between the 13th to the 15th of March next year. Tickets are on sale now. Check out the website, which is aircon.uk, or check out our links in the show notes for more information. to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for September. Now it's getting cold and I'm slightly out of breath because it's getting a little bit of cold. Um, joining me today is a man who um, he's just he's just taking his he's just taking who he is and he's wearing it as a badge of pride. You know, he's just taken ownership. People have said nerd. He's like, I'm not a nerd. You know, people said, you know, yeah, but you, you like to stay in your basement. He says, yes, I do. And he says, you're, you're starting to get mad. He says, yes, I am. You're starting to have kids. Yes, I am as well. You're turning into a geek dad. And he certainly is. Because joining me, <laughs> I've got Jonathan Liu from, from Geek Dad. And, uh, and things have happened. And we're going to talk about them today. But first of all, hello, Jonathan. How are you doing, sir? Hello, Richard. I'm doing pretty well. Um, it's it's good to have you on. This has been um, this has been one of those things that's been kind of going back and forth for a little while. And um, but we're here, and we're here to have a chat, and we're here to have a conversation, yeah. and we're going to have a little conversation about yourself. But for everybody who hasn't listened to us for the first time. Thank you very much for joining us. The reason that we do this is quite simply because there's still not enough podcasts out there about board games and tabletop. Just can't find <laughs> them. And the other reason that we do them is because um, it's my ongoing journey to seek out new... No, new, no, that's Star Trek. It's my own ongoing journey to interview and speak to as many people in the industry as possible. And me and Jonathan have been side-swerving each other and it's kind of been looking... It's like seeing somebody at work that you kind of want to say hello and you haven't and you kind of have a, a nod, an acknowledgement as you pass them in the corridor. And then one day I've just grabbed him by his shoulders and I went, we need to talk! And he's went, Okay! <laughs> And then it's like, let's try and organise it. And it's like, but the timing, it's very, very difficult to get around it. So here we are. So there you go. Um, here we are. Growing up, because let's just get into it. Let's just start chewing on this juicy steak. Um, were you a kind of a games family? I mean, did you have the kind of sit around the table, play games together? Did you do a lot of kind of family activities together and stuff like that as you were kind of growing up yourself? You know, I I think we were kind of typical in that we had a lot of your, your classic, you know, we had a copy of Monopoly mm -hmm. and Scrabble and Game of Life. Um, you know, I, I played mostly with my siblings, uh, my sister and my brother. 
um, with my parents and my my grandmother, we would play cards. So we played a lot of classic card okay. games. Okay. Um, and uh, and we also we also played a little bit of mahjong every so often. It wasn't a uh, it wasn't a frequent thing, but it was something every so often we would get out the mahjong set, and my yeah. parents would try to walk us walk us all through the various intricacies of scoring mahjong, which is a, a kind of a, a game in itself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's funny to me because it's like they would explain, okay, you scored, you have this hand, uh-huh. so everyone owes you this much. And we would try to figure out how they got that amount. And it turns out it's it's all uh, exponents. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> we were like, oh, well, you know, when you're a kid, you don't understand what they're talking yeah. about. Plus, it's all, you know, it was explained in Chinese and I didn't know what was going on. Um, so, but we played, you know, classic games, um, but not not heavily. Um, I do remember, like, my dad didn't play a lot of the board games with us. Mm-hmm. And there was one day I was home with him for some reason. Nobody else was home. And I said, hey, I've got, you know, the game of Risk. Yeah. Uh, let's. Let's let's play this. I'll teach you how to play Risk. Um, I've never finished a game yet, and uh, we sat down. I taught him to play, and uh, I think forty-five minutes later, he had defeated me entirely. Wow. And that was, uh, I think, the only time I actually finished a game of Risk as a kid. Did you go back and play? <laughs> I mean, was this something you did then again and again? Did you continue to play with your dad on a regular basis, or would you go back to? Was that like one of these one-off? kind of specials because that sounds like a special memory to you pretty much <laughs> that was I, I would say risk was a one-off um my dad was a uh is an avid, avid chess player and so he would teach us chess and we would sit down and, and play chess with him okay um and uh again you would not win at chess against my dad but um i think had a little more uh a little a little more fun you know playing that and learning new strategies mm. than the uh you know, I, I think I didn't really get him interest, hooked on risk with that one game. Was he um, was he a kind of dad who would let you win a couple of games or was he the kind of dad that the only way you're going to learn this is if I kick your ass 15 games in the, sh- <laughs> in the trot to the point where I'm checkmating you in seven moves and you're just going, I just put back, I've just moved my prawn and you're like, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, you know... I, I don't think he necessarily would make things easy on us, but he would definitely point out, you know, if you're making a move and he goes, all right, like, let me tell you what might happen if you make that move. And All right, do you want to take that move back? Okay, let's try something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'd play somewhere he might spot you, a, you know, a couple pieces, mm-hmm. right? And say, here, why don't, why don't you, you know, why don't we start and I'm short, you know, a knight this time or I'm short of bishop and and we'll see how you do with that um is he um, but but you know do you still play I mean is he still I mean first of all is he I mean do you get a chance to play or is he is he um is that not so is he passed away or is he still around or he he is still around uh he's he's still uh he's still playing chess um it's fun now um He's been playing chess with my kids so that's that's kind of a fun point of connection is is getting to you know, getting getting to see my dad play chess with my kids and uh, and them experiencing a little bit of you know what I grew up with. Um, Has he made them cry yet? Then? 
to see Grandad. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to go, go and see Grandad now. He kinda, every time he kind of beats us and then he kind of, he beats us a chest and then he starts throwing the bishop at us and <laughs> we have to run away kind of thing. But no, I mean, that's, that's a kind of a nice little bonding experience because it's, chess is like, it's focused between two people, isn't it? I mean, it's not like a group game. Mm-hmm. Like your monopolies in that yeah. this world, it is just kind of, um, kind of a nice little you, moment. You haven't seen chess. <laughs> you, you haven't seen chess the way my kids play it. I mean, sometimes it is a group game. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it'll be one of these things where yes, they're meant to be playing chess with each other against your grandfather, but you you know there's been instances where they have ended up fighting with each other because they can't decide which move they're kind of going to be making. And he's just sitting there <laughs> going, the enemy is defeating itself. I have to do nothing more here. I can just <laughs> walk away and come back and then just stop them when the kind of the crying, the kind of the crying starts. Um, did you, did chess take up kind of, was that just something in the background? I mean, were you, did you play chess quite regularly at like school and stuff like that again? Or was it just something that you and your dad kind of would occasionally sit down and play together? I, I think it was a more of an occasional thing. Mm. Um, I, I didn't get heavily into chess. Um, it's something where, you know, I, I know the basic rules. Mm. Um, I, I can hold my own against my six year old, you know, but, uh, <laughs> um, I, I never, I never got really good at, uh, you know, learning, learning some of the sort of learning some of the moves mm. that you're, you're supposed to know to be good at chess. Um, I'm, I'm more of the, you know, I can think about, three turns in advance and that's about it <laughs> so very very basic chess player you know i'm still castle and here's the horsey and you know i'm still struggling <laughs> with which which space do you put the king and the queen on when you set the board up my son and uh, we went through a phase of kind of playing chess kind of on and off and, and he just destroyed me every single time to the point where it's like <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna learn a different game instead and um, buckaroo I can win at Buckaroo, you know. I can, I can, put, I can load up that mule all day long before it kicks itself off to, off into the sky. You didn't like that game, kind of at all. Um, <coughs> did you stay with the game playing, kind of through school? I mean, do you remember kind of was the game playing still kind of going on? Were you, or were you the type of person you kind of dropped it when things got kind of interesting at college, and then kind of jump back into the hobby at a later day i mean yeah it's kind of the kind of the latter there um i you know played games then video games came along you know high school came along and and uh i i didn't play quite as many board games um still played still played some card games from time to time mm-hmm. and uh when i got to college um you know i knew some people who played risk or other other board games in college but i i didn't really spend a lot of time playing games other than you know a couple card games mm-hmm. um got in got into set got introduced to set and so you know there are some some people who really enjoyed that one and and i got heavily into that mm-hmm. but um uh it wasn't until after college um a couple years after college i had moved out here to portland and met some people who you know introduced me to the, the sort of story you've heard a lot, right? Settlers of Catan and Carcassonne. I'm and Ticket sure to there's Ride. a dealer. There's a dealer going about. Yeah. And you know what? He's tried to sell hash, yeah. He's tried to sell cannabis. 
and he's just not he's just not good at it. And then he's dis- discovered one day he's down on his luck here, yeah? and he's come across a carton in the back alley, and there's like there's boxes of Catan in it, and he's gone around and says, "Well, maybe I can deal with this instead and start people off on a slight." And and that's how he's that's how the empire's built. You know, this is just yep. a drug dealer that you know if he'd went the wrong direction, he would have ended up dealing cocaine, and instead he's dealing cardboard. I mean, that's how it kind of that's how they, <laughs> these things kind of happen. Um, what was it you did at college? Uh, I uh, I studied math, um, partly because I didn't know what I was going to do after college, mm-hmm. and I'd always been okay at math. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then by the time I found out that uh, that math was not what I thought it was when I first started. Um, I was halfway through and I said, well, I might as well just finish this up. <laughs> what kind of stuff, what kind of math can you do? Because uh, the thing about you Americans, okay, it's maths. Whichever way you look at right. it, it's never math. It's not a singular thing. It's lots of numbers and stuff. It's maths. It's mathematics. It's an S on the end. It's mathematics and then, and then they just cut off the mathematics. You've got it wrong. It's math. There's no math. Anyway, was it anyway, was there anything you specialized uh, in? Kind of like you know when you were studying. No, no. For uh, for undergrad, I I you know I majored. It was just called pure math. Mm-hmm. Um, no no s. <laughs> and so it was it was not even applied mathematics. It was it was the sort of very theoretical. You, you take number theory mm-hmm. and topology and. And you get to the point where numbers are not involved anymore, and that's kind of where <laughs> I saw that. Uh, where where I I felt a little uh, you know misled, <laughs> and said, "Oh, I was really I was really good at algebra and calculus." Yeah. And once we got into you know group theory and topology, um, is where I realized that um, I'm not really a math person. I'm a calculus and algebra person. Um, because they by, start doing dots then, and stuff, don't they? And, and, and look, here's a vector, and you, you take this, 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 and mm-hmm. this. And then here's dy, dx, x, etc. I'm just like, where's... I'm just looking for anything that could look like a 4 or a 5 here. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that's... And, you know, and that's, uh, I think, um, that's kind of where I got a little bit lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I finished it out. I... Did earn a math degree mm-hmm. and uh, and and haven't really used it in you know twenty years. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's a lot of people. I think maybe twenty or thirty years ago, even longer than that, folk would have been going for shame. You've wasted your education. <laughs> but nowadays they're like, yeah, me too. You know, I've got a degree in kind of various different sciences. You know, this is not a podcast about chemistry or physics or biology. <laughs> you know, we're not talking about covalent bonds here. We're talking about board games and cardboard. So it's good mm. to see that degree kind of serve me kind of well. But you said you moved to um, to Portland. Was that a, was that a career move or was that just a let's go and see what else is out there? Uh, it was a career move for my wife. Right. Um, we we got we got married shortly after college, right, okay. um, and uh, she went to medical medical school in uh, Kansas while I worked a couple different jobs, uh-huh. and then uh, we moved out to Portland for uh, residency. So that was our 
that was our both of us um, our first time out here in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, we fell in love with it. Um, and we did move away for her first uh, her first job out of residency, and then got a chance to come back to Portland uh, about eight years ago. And yeah. So um, we did. Cool. And was that, and as you were saying, that was around the time that you started to hang around with the undesirables and got yourself into <laughs> Kaka, Catan and Carcassonne, I take it. I take it you didn't get onto the, tell me you didn't go anywhere near Lords of Waterdeep. Uh, well, that was before Lords of Waterdeep. No. So, um, you know, I, I did, I did experience mm. Lords of Waterdeep when it came out. Mm. Um, a friend of mine had that, but that was, that was, uh a couple of years later mm. i i got you know really really i would say carcassonne was was probably my my favorite um at the time i i really enjoyed that one and it's it's of those of those classics one of the few that i still play regularly um did, i mean did you did you start to did the collection start to grow after then I mean, did you start to get your own collection together? Was it a case that everybody's kind of bringing something along to game night and then the the collection slowly creeped up from a couple of spaces on the on the shelf to like a an entire cupboard and then a basement and then, you know, its own room and stuff like that? <laughs> Was it one of the things that kind of sneaked up on you as you went? Yeah, it, you know, I... Uh it encouraged me to, to go back and, and get some of my old games out of uh, my parents, you know, ha- mm-hmm. my parents' house, mm-hmm. um, pulled, found, found a couple of those that I, that I hadn't had, um, in a while. And, uh, I, you know, started looking at, uh, you know, looking into game stores, but I also liked looking for things that, you know, thrift shops and, and looking for old, you know, old strange games. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I think that, you know, the collection wasn't, really huge at the time um it wasn't until when we moved when we moved back to kansas um we went to a very small town about 800 people yeah and uh and i brought my you know at the time modest board game collection with me and realized that most of the people there were you know in the same situation I was when I was a kid, which is you know they'd heard of Monopoly and Life and, yeah, yeah. and Scrabble yeah, yeah. and ha- and had never heard of these games that I was bringing you know with me, um, and so that was so I got I got involved you know with a lot of the uh, the local like middle schoolers and high schoolers who in a small town didn't really have a lot to do in the evenings and weekends. And they were like, hey, this is this is kind of neat. Let's play board games. Um, and that's also the time when I started writing for Geek Dad and reviewing games. And and that's uh, and then, you know, that's when the, the game collection really started uh, growing. So was was Geek Dad something already in existence in the background yes. before you joined then? Yeah. And 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 kind of how, yeah. how, did, how did that how did that kind of come about? Um, how did you how did so, you get involved and meet up with them and, and make that jump? Yeah, so the story of Geek Dad is that it was uh, it was originally started by uh, Chris Anderson, who was the uh, editor in chief of Wired magazine. Mm-hmm. He started it as a side project. He was working on some drones with his kids, um, and he wanted a place to just kind of share some of the projects they were doing. And so he started up this site called Geek Dad. Yeah. Um, 
ran it for I don't know a year or two, I guess, um, and then he he handed it off to uh, Ken Denmead, who has been running it since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I was so I had been reading uh, the site for a couple years, and uh, they had put out a call for new writers. They said, "Hey, you know we've we've got room for." room for some new people and, uh, you know, send us a little bit about yourself. You know, what are your interests? Um, you know, uh, what do you, what do you like? What do you want to write about? Yeah. And I said, well, you know, I'm a stay at home dad. I'm living in rural Kansas. I like board games. Um, that's what I'd like to write about. And, uh, and at the time they didn't have a, a, a ton of board game coverage. They had a couple people writing sporadic reviews. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think they didn't have any, uh, stay at home, parents uh, at the time so um they said okay well we'll give you a shot and that's that's how i got involved um and i immediately started you know writing about uh books and board games and and you know what it's like being a dad um and uh over the years i've i've really sort of focused in on the board games and and books um i mean talking about bringing up the kind of the stay at home dad side of things was that was i take it was that a relatively easy decision to make ken at the time i take it your obviously your wife was then a kind of a doctor so i take it you had the financial security so was it does it just make sense at the time for you to kind of be kind of staying at home and and how have you and i mean i mean and how and how have you how have you found that has it been is it because a lot of people say, well, looking after children is the hardest job you can ever have. And have you, do you find it kind of like, are you kind of like, feel kind of rewarded by what you've been doing? Do you get people kind of saying stupid things like, oh, are you babysitting today or something like that? Because I get that when I'm with my kids. But Sure. You know, um, I would say it, it wasn't an easy decision, but it was a decision that we made uh well in advance of actually having kids. So it was, it's my, my story was I, you know, I grew up very conservative. Um, I had the, you know, the, the stereotype, uh, idea that, you know, the, the, the man should work at a job and the woman should stay home and take care of kids. And, you know, and I, I met my wife and she said, well, I'm, studying to be a doctor so you know good luck with that <laughs> and uh yeah and i and i had to do a lot of like i had to do a lot of thinking it was like well you know if this is if this is the person i want to marry and we want to have kids mm-hmm. um you know she's not going to stay home with them uh is that something i want to do or is it something that you know do are we both going to work and you know we'll we'll have a nanny or childcare or whatever. And, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about it. And by the time, by actually, by the time we, you know, we're married, we had said, Hey, here's our rough plan is, uh, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll work. Um, once she's in residency and is actually earning an income instead of uh, spending money on med school, yeah. um, we'll try for kids. And if we happen to have kids, then I'll stay home with them and, you know, give that a shot. Um, so I had, you know, I had a lot of time to, to prepare for that moment. Um, and, uh, 
and it and it has worked out. So um, I've been staying home for uh, nearly sixteen years now. Wow! Um, and we've got three kids, and and you know I think it is it is hard. Um, it's it's not for everyone, right? Like stay being a being a stay at home parent is not for everyone. Um, but it's also been uh, rewarding for me. Um, and it, I think it's, it's definitely been good for, um, our relationship in the way that, you know, her, her job and her financial security allows me the privilege to stay home, Yeah, which, which has allowed me to do things like write for geek dad. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my staying home has allowed her to go to work and not, you know, to be able to do some travel that's associated with work um, and, and be, you know, comfortable with the fact that, Hey, you know, there's somebody competent at home taking care of the kids, you know, knowing that uh, she's not, you know, she doesn't have to um, do, do all of the, you know, sort of shuttling kids back and forth to appointments in school um, because I got that covered. Is there, um, is there less do you think there's like kind of less pressure do you feel kind of less pressure to be the kind of the the breadwinner of the house and stuff like that I mean because I know if some people would say well you know like you're saying you know there'd be a lot of conservative people would say well what is he doing that for and it's like well I'm not being funny but if I was in your situation Jonathan I'd be doing exactly the same you know I, you know, <laughs> I'd be doing exactly the same because I have got, uh, there's lots of other things I would like to be able to do. And um, I have very, I guess, not strange views, but I would like it to get back to the days where you didn't need to have two parents working through necessity. I think there's a lot mm. of kids that could do with just having either or parent kind of kicking about the castle for somebody picking them up mm-hmm. and not a child minder to have, you know, to not worry about school holidays and days off and things like that. So, you know, from where you're coming from, it seems like a, it seems like a decent, it seems like a kind of a decent kind of situation. As time's going on and as the kids are getting to the age where they're approaching kind of, they're going through kind of grade school and then they're heading into high school. Are you going to be looking into kind of job jobs or, uh, you know, as Geek Dad kind of, does that, does that kind of, I don't know if you get paid a little bit for Geek Dad or if there's a financial arrangement for that, but does, 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 does doing so, Geek Dad, does that give you a little bit of financial kind of backing as well? Uh, not really. <laughs> right, okay. There, we, 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 uh, we do get... Uh, a small stipend, right? Um, I would say uh, it is it is small enough. I would say the the amount that I earn in a year on Geek Dad is probably what I could spend on Kickstarter in a month. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> um, primarily, what uh, I think what writing for Geek Dad um, does for me is that it's it it scratches that itch of having you know, colleagues, right? Having, um, uh, do, doing something that gives me a little bit of, um, purpose outside of, uh, of raising kids and, you know, doing household chores. Um, and it has definitely opened up a lot of opportunities for me, yeah. um, 
being being involved in you know in the uh, tabletop the world of tabletop games um, but it's it's not a you know I think of it as my full-time hobby and uh, not really a job mm-hmm. um, but uh, as a, as the kids get older you know I I don't necessarily think um, I'm gonna go out and look for a job uh, just because uh, they, as they become self-sufficient. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if an opportunity came along, once they're old enough, it's something I could consider. Okay. Um, but, but we, we are very fortunate that, um, you know, I, it's, it's not a necessity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, th- and I think, you know, for, for my wife and for my family, I think there's, there's enough value in, um, having me be available, you know, to go do grocery shopping and make sure, you know, he can cook supper and, and, you know, have errands done, you know, during the day. There's enough, there's enough value in that sort of, those, those kind of like small things that pile up, mm-hmm. um, that I think, you know, if I were working a, a full-time job, um, our evenings and weekends would just be full of, you know, it would be full of a lot of chores. And, um, so I think, I think we're, you know, it's not something I'm actively looking for or planning to look for. Oh, no, I I, yeah. Say. I mean, it's kind of, mm. I mean, again, it's kind of like interesting. I think I saw a tweet the other day talking about, um, somebody saying that, well, um, you know, I just can't seem to keep my house in order. You know, there's always stuff needing done. And it's like, well, that's because when your parents and your grandparents were growing up, you know, you only needed one person going out for the wage, which meant the other person mm-hmm. could stay at home and get all the kind of the, the chores done. Um, in terms of you being a stay-at-home dad, is there other stay-at-home dads where you are? I mean, did you find... Um, have you been able to mix with the other, you know, are you officially a soccer mum? Is I guess is what, <laughs> you know, do you have your honorary soccer mum badge um, well, kind of thing? Um, or, I mean, was that a different, again, that's a different, that's a difficult dynamic. I know, you know, from, yeah. from personal experience to kind of break into as well. So when my, when my oldest was first born, um, I was part of a, a group of parents that was, uh, they, we were all, we were all, partners of other uh medical residents yeah so you know all, all of these people who knew what it was like to have a partner who was never home working all the time um and we all had young kids and so we would get together and and yeah have play dates get our kids together this is this was before most of them were in school um and that that was definitely very valuable to me um but it was predominantly moms uh there were i think three dads in the group and uh, what we found was you know that at least the the dads who were in this group were all kind of homebodies you know yeah. we were all people who were okay hanging out with our kids at home by ourselves uh-huh. <laughs> uh, for the most part and so there was this inertia to overcome to say I'm gonna go and spend time with other parents um, as opposed to I'm just gonna kind of get stuck at stuck at home yeah, yeah. and in my routines. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, I, I did meet a couple of stay at home dads through that. Um, but when, when we moved to Kansas, you know, I was, I was the only 
stay-at-home dad. No, nobody <laughs> yeah. kind of really knew. I can what imagine. That. Yeah, I can <laughs> um, imagine that. You know, and we were there for a couple of years, <laughs> but that's that's when I got into writing for Geek Dad, um, and I think that that gave me sort of a connection with uh, a lot of a lot of people that I really you know like to hang out with. Yeah, um, yeah. E- even if it was only online. Um, and so, moving back to Portland, you know, I would say I've met a few stay-at-home dads, but it's not been a um, – it's it's not always been easy to connect uh, with other stay-at-home dads. And partly it's because, you know, we're all, we're all running errands during the day. Yeah. And then we don't get to hang out at night because, you know, we're getting our kids ready to bed. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it, ironically, even though I – I'm a parent, most of the people who come over to my house for game nights either don't have kids or they have older kids that, you know, they don't need to, it's, it's not the stay at home dads mostly who are coming to my game nights. (laughs) Because they're having to stay at home because they can't go, because they've got the little one in bed and they can't just sneak out and say, I'm away for a couple of hours. I'll keep the baby monitor Mm. with me kind of thing. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, it's, you know, it's like when my brother, um, um, you know, I met up with my friend recently the weekend that we haven't seen in a while and he's got a new baby as his first one and the thing was, oh, we really need to organise kind of like a game night and it's like, well, I'm obviously coming round to yours and it's like, you know, it's like, because otherwise he's they've, he's got to, him and his wife have got to arrange a babysitter, they've mm-hmm. got to come around here, they're going to be phone calls to make sure that they're, because they're little ones, he's, he's very, very young and they'll be making mm-hmm. sure he's settled and then it'll get to about, you know, 10 o'clock and it's like, you know, oh, they, they'll probably need to go home to kind of, you know, um, take over from the, the babysitter or whoever's house kind of right. house sitting at the time. Um, and I'm like, but, we're only started the second round of Twilight Imperium. Won't you, you know? Won't you come back? Um, but yeah, I can understand that. So it's a lot easier for me to go there because my, you know, my boy, he'll be in bed, and that that'll be it. I don't have to kind of worry about feeds and and stuff and and kind of and kind of thing, you know, and kind of things like that. Um, with regards then to <clears throat> having kind of going back to your story and you were playing, you know, obviously you were occasional mahjong, a little bit of chess, you know, have, has that then allowed you having access to the games that you're getting from Geek Dad? Has that allowed you to start playing some of the, what you would call the more modern games with your kids or do they just think that's daddy's funny hobby and you know, leave me alone kind of thing. Have your kids taken an interest in board games? Have you been able to kind of take them down the modern route and say, hey, let's look at King of Tokyo and, you know, uh, Rhino Hero Super Battle and games like that, as opposed to them just sitting around a table and playing Monopoly with you? Yes. Um, it it has been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. My My kids, like all three of them have gotten you know, has had some experience uh playing board games with me. Yeah. Um my my oldest uh plays a little less now. She's she's more of the the social uh you know social gamer. So she's yeah. the one who says, well, if there are people there that I want to hang out with, yeah, then I might come down and play board games with you. Yeah. Um my uh my middle daughter is the is is like me where it's like 
I'll, if there's games to be had, uh-huh. I will come down and play games and I don't care who's there. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, and then my youngest, um, there's a, there's a, you know, a bit of a gap there because she's only, she's only in first grade now. Um, but she's the one who's, who's sort of grown up entirely surrounded by games. Yeah. Um, you know, the other, the other two saw me get into games, right? Like from, from when they were born is when I started getting into gaming. And so they've seen the collection grow. And my, my youngest is the one who stepped into this, you know, sort of, oh, yeah, like you play games and this is what you do. <laughs> um, and so I think she's, you know, she's, she's already pretty sharp. And I think by the time she's in middle school, um, you know, she's the sword that's going to be beating my dad at chess. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so she loves games too. Um, and I'll often, let her play games that are, yeah. you know, well, well above her, um, her age level because she can follow the rules even if she can't come up with strategies, right? She, she can't do, she can't plan out how to win the game, but she can follow the rules and take her turn yeah. and she enjoys doing that. And so, um, you know, so definitely, um, you know, we, we do play a lot of games with, with my kids as well as with, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of other friends. Um, so that's, that's something that I've definitely enjoyed having that to share with them. And, and, uh, you know, and there's, there's, they, they do get a little tired sometimes of the fact that we're playing a new game and not the one that they played last week. Yes. I was going <laughs> to say, I was going to say that because you cover, um, you cover quite a lot of ground on the site you 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 do kind of like kickstarter um you do a few kickstarter games as well as kind of like some published games so i'm taking it that there is mm-hmm. i mean i do you have i'm guessing do you have a pile which is that i'm getting this played to get this written up and then is there a pile to say well actually the kids really really like that one so we're gonna hang that hang that and, and you know kind of keep a hold of that on the on the kind of the shelf uh, yeah, there, there definitely is a pile that I am always trying to get through for reviews. Um, you know, fortunately, most, I, I try to, I try to be kind of selective in which ones I end up with, um, to review to say, okay, I think my kids would like this one. Let's, let's give it a shot. Or I think my friends will like this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to, we're going to give that one a shot. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think the nice thing is that they're, they're now old enough that they're also able to go, you know, we're going to like dad's busy doing this game that he has to review and we don't want to play it. So we can pull this other game off the shelf and play it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, and I think that is, that's starting to happen where they're realizing like, they don't, they don't need my permission to go and play a game uh, that they like. They, they can go and enjoy a game even if I'm not there. Um, and so that's, that's pretty fun too. Like my, um, you know, sometimes if they, if they have friends over, uh, they'll come down and, and play a game and mm. say, Hey, we're going to come down and, and play board games, uh, you know, without dad. Um, and, uh, and that, that brings me a lot of delight just to be able to see that they're also sharing, you know, their love with, of games with their friends. Have you, um, have you ever had to sit around with them and play a bit of a stinker of a game? 
as in have you ever kind of like went got that kind of got halfway through and went kids okay I'll tell you what right if you behave well enough for the rest of the day we'll put this game away right now however if you misbehave I'm going to leave this bad boy on the table and we're going to come back and we're going to play it for the next three hours straight again and again <laughs> And again, I mean, I, I mean, do you ever have you ever had that where you're kind of like, oh, oh, this is this is could be better, and I'm really kind of, you know, I'd rather make my kids eat marmite than kind of play this. You know, I I think uh, there are definitely games that I've played that I that you know I didn't enjoy or they didn't enjoy, um, but I I don't sit down and make my kids play games that they're just ha- like they think are terrible. Now I will say, you know. Generally, you don't quit in the middle of a game. We're gonna we're gonna see it through. Um, but but I'm also not playing you know sort of three hour games with mm-hmm. with the kids. Um, so generally, it's like hey, you know, it's if if you don't like it, it'll be over soon, and you don't need to play again. And your feedback will be taken into account. <laughs> <laughs> and then I may and then I may end up playing with you know with some adult friends or something yeah. just to try to get get through uh, other things. I think it's 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 more common that my kids latch onto a game that I don't like. Um, right. Okay. And those are, you know, those are a little tricky, right? Because it's like, all right, you know, this is a game that my kids are really enjoying. Um, I just don't happen to enjoy playing it myself. And so then I have to make the decision of, well, you know, that'll be a special treat. I'll sit down and play this game with you. And <laughs> I, I mean, would you approach your say if you if you were in that situation with regards to kind of like writing the review, and you know, do you get if it was a case that the kids really really liked the game, but you thought actually this is not this is hitting so far off the mark for me, I, I can't even talk about it. Are you do you in terms of the kind of like the review stuff? Are you allowed to? Um, are you allowed to look at it from the kid's point of view to look at it from their angle? Or are you always encouraged to look at it from the dad's angle, as I say, it's kind of like the geek, you know, the geek dad thing? Right. I I think um, what we try to do, what I try to do at, at Geek Dad is, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm always taking to, into account that I'm a parent and a lot of our readers are parents. Not, not everyone, obviously. You, mm-hmm. know, you can, you can come read my, hopefully, if you're not a parent, you can still read my game reviews and get something out of them. Um, but I always do try to include things like, um, how, how appropriate is it for kids? Um, if it's, if it's intended for kids. Um, and, and so if my kids love a game and, and I can't stand it, um, that is something that I would mention in a review. And, and part of it is, you know, I understand that some games were not designed for adults, you know, to, to appeal to adults. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, I think as long as, as long as I don't think it's, it's bad for kids to be playing a game, um, you know, I will probably say, look, this is, this is something that your kid will probably love uh-huh. and you will just have to sit through and, and, uh, endure it, um, until they outgrow it. Right. Um, but yeah. And if, and if that's something where you're saying, oh, I'm looking for something that my kid really wants to do, that might help steer you in that direction. And if you're like, well, you know what? My kid doesn't like that sort of thing. Um, 
then you then then you know hey well i probably won't either yeah. we can pa- you know give that one a pass um you know i i do i think i can't always i can't always predict like what audience uh is going to like a game but i can usually at least find something to say you know th- this is the sort of audience that would enjoy playing this and this is a sort of audience that should steer clear of it um and and hopefully my my goal in writing a review isn't just for you to know whether or not I liked it. Yeah. Um, it's more useful if you can read my review and by the end of it know whether or not you're going to like it. Jever, I mean I, I mean we run I run the blog for the for the network and we have a brilliant writer Steve that's on the you know that writes for us as well. Um, is there in terms of you know, if I don't like a game, and if I want to put up put up a review to say to people, I don't like this game. If you get like a if I get like a bad game that I don't like, um, I can just put it up, and that's fine. It's cool. And if Steve wants to do the same, because there's a brand with the Geek Dad brand, do you have to? Do you do you have control over it kind of editorially what you're going to be putting on the site? Does it get passed by kind of other people, kind of other people as well? And, do you, and and to that effect, would you kind of like do you generally get a choice of games that you would play? So you would generally say, well, I'm not going to select this game because I know it's not going to be a kind of a fit for me, kind of thing. Um, yeah. So we we have. A number of, of reviewers on the site. Yeah. Um, I I'm one of the editors, so I um, I do get a look at you know what people are writing, and I can kind of give a little bit of guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of one of our other longtime writers, uh, Dave Banks, was our games editor um, up until the beginning of this year, um, and he's he's stepped down, but he was another person who would kind of say, "Hey, let me take a look at what you're writing. Yeah. Um, let me make make sure you know, you're kind of kind of." Not, not to, I think, not to say you need to write in a particular voice, um, but to say that you know we 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 have sort of a standard we'd like to set for what we publish, and we want to make sure that you know your review is is up to those standards, right? Like that people can read it, and and it's more than just you know a paragraph of text that said, "Hey, I liked it; it was fun." Yeah. Period. Yeah. Um. Uh. So in terms of uh you know, what, what types of things we publish, you know, we don't have a, we, we give people a lot of leeway in what they can say. Um, what I try to do is say, you know, if, if you play a game and you have a really bad experience with it, um, I encourage people not to write that based on a single play because there's so much that can go wrong in one play of a game that, you know, writing a writing a comprehensive review and saying, like, I don't want to try this again, so I'm just going to write it up and say it's terrible. Um, I think that's not fair to the reader, and it's not fair to the publisher. Um, and I usually say, you know, well, look, like, make sure you check in with the publisher and see if there are things you did wrong. Um, and if and if it is just not for you, well, then you can write that as well. Um, but we're, we're trying to, I think I I like to think of myself as a, as a game curator where the idea is, you know, if you came over to my house and you said, Hey, show me a game, you know, show me a game I should play. 
Um, I'm not going to start by pulling a bunch of games off the shelf and saying, well, you really shouldn't play this one. And here's why. Um, <laughs> because there's so many games that I do love. I don't have time to tell you about all of them. You know, why should I spend the time writing up a, you know, a couple thousand words on, on why I don't like this game or, or that game, unless I can find some sort of redeeming quality in it. Um, and so that's what I, I try to do is I look for the ones that say here, you know, I want to focus on, I want to focus on helping people find games that they're going to love. Um, and if there's something that I don't love, you know, if I think there's some, if I think there's an audience out there for it, I'll write about it. If I think, you know, this game just falls totally flat. That's something I will tell the publisher and designer and say, you know, this just does not work for us. Um, it's, it's not something I'm comfortable sharing with my readers. Um, and usually, you know, people say, okay, that's fair. Um, but we, you know, we do occasionally people have, have folks who say, well, I, I'd like you to write about it anyway. Um, in which case, you know, I try to write a review that explains why, you know, what I didn't like about it, um, without being, you know, nasty or mean. Um, yeah, I think there's scope for that. I think, I'm, you know, I'm not banging the same drum. I've talked about kind of educating people and letting them understand a standard. And there's, you know, I'm an old man that rants at the crowd at the best of times, and I don't want to continue to be the guy that rants at the crowd at the best of times anyway. And and I think some people just want to know, is this going to be suitable for me? And am I going to have a good, a good time? Is there any games at the moment that you're looking at that you're kind of like going... I really like this. This has kind of captured me and surprised me and I'm kind of really, really kind of, it's kind of making you shiver all over and you got a smile on your face and a spring in your step when you're thinking about it, Jonathan. Any games like that at the moment? Uh, th there's there's one small one that's, that's coming to Kickstarter soon um, that I saw at Gen Con uh, and I keep talking about it. <laughs> okay. Called Slip Strike. Okay. Um, it's it's from uh, uh, Junk Spirit Games, designed by David Gerard, uh, and it's just this little two player card game. Uh, and I and I don't typically go in for a lot of two player only games because I usually have more than two players, so I don't I don't get a lot of a chance to play two player only games. But I played this I played this prototype at Gen Con and uh, and I and I liked it. And then uh, I just got a prototype sent to me um, a couple weekends ago and I, I took it to a local convention and showed it to a lot of people, played it a couple times myself. Um, and, and it's just sort of really slick, small, easy to learn game that's, that's very much a, a kind of a, a mental battle, right? You're, you're trying to figure out what the other person's going to do. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to figure out what you're going to, what you're going to do. Uh, but it's a, it's a duel between two teleporting time travelers. And it's, um, you know, programmed movement. You just program, program your, your two, your next two moves and you resolve them. And if you, if you get hit, that's when you say, no, no, I'm a, I'm a teleporting time traveler and you back up and you teleport somewhere else. Uh, but eventually, you run out of teleport cards, and then you get hit. I, I, that's just sounds like my. But I do like a quick game. I must admit, I like something that kind of could just set up and play. I was, um, I had the joy of playing a game called Carbon City Zero, which is coming onto Kickstarter, and probably in a couple of days by the time this is going out, um, 
and that's just that. It's kind of like environmental star realms. <laughs> just the way it's mm-hmm. going. And it's a lovely little kind of game which talks about renewable energy and you know, and yeah, I'm aware of um I'm aware of Dave and his work with um with junks, but it was a battle of the bards. A battle yes, battle of the bards. He says going mm-hmm. up the octave. Yes, I'm aware of his work. You know, is there anything I mean have you with I'm, I take it you're on a few kind of distributor lists and stuff like that. Do you get access to the wonders of things like tapestry and stuff like that, or do you need to wait, wait like us mere mortal men to get access uh-huh. to those things? So I am supposed to be getting a copy of tapestry, but it'll be you know I think it'll be, it's arriving in the same wave as the um, you know the the pre-orders. Yeah. Um, uh, I I was not one of the, the the lucky few who who got the uh, you know the pre pre launch um, copies, mm-hmm. um, but we you know we do have a, a, a we've had a, a pretty good relationship with uh, Stone Meyer Games in the past, and so um, we we have reviewed several of of uh, their titles. Um, I'm on some distributor lists. I'm definitely on a lot of email lists, and and so. We, we try to, uh, I think going back to one of the questions you asked earlier is when people send us a pitch for a game, uh, we do try to circulate that among our writers and say, okay, like who's going to be a good fit for this game? Yeah. And there's a lot of times where reading a description, I can look at a game and say, okay, this is definitely not for me. Um, but th- the nice thing about having a, you know, a group of writers is, maybe someone else is really going to love that and i'd rather have them cover it than you know than me slog through it yeah, and yeah. and have to have to you know put off writing about some other game that i really like yeah so so we do you know we we do get uh games from a a number of different publishers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i think you know some of those are some of a lot of those are ones where we've been writing about board games uh for you know for many years now and so that we've got relationships with them mm-hmm. uh but there's always also a lot of changeover in the in the reps at the publishers and so there's a lot of times where you know we have we have a long-standing relationship with someone and that person leaves and you know we're we're starting over again yeah I and mean, you have to build it up and kind of let them know um I'm lucky that I'm generally quite annoying anyway, so I can't see me building up any relationship with a publisher. <laughs> I think sometimes what they do is they say, I'll speak to somebody and then I'll send them an email and then I'll get a reply from somebody else saying, oh, they've left. I, mm-hmm. You know, I get that. I get that a lot. I don't know why that is. But, um, I mean, obviously with you continuing to write for Geek Dad, you're in a kind of a, you could say you could be a bit judgmental at times, which is potentially why um, you are now getting involved with the American Tabletop Awards of America, mm-hmm. if, if I'm right. <laughs> um, tell us about because this is new, this is hot off the press, this is like, you know, there's still somebody that's going at it with a cloth and buffing it up a bit, but this is like a brand sure. new a brand new thing. This must be exciting for you to have kind of like, because we wouldn't have an award in Scotland because somebody would steal it. Um, <laughs> but I mean, this is a new venture that you guys are kind of, you're kind of getting into and you've got some, you've got some big names um, getting involved in it. 
Um, how did that come about? I mean, has that been something that's been spoken about for some time? So it, it was just uh, revealed yesterday, which is uh, it was a September sixteenth. Yeah, um, that's when we yeah we launched the website and you know turned on all the social media channels um, and and announced our our first set of winners, which is actually for uh, twenty eighteen uh, you know twenty eighteen releases. Yeah, um, and that is a little later in the year than than we intended. But we're hoping, you know, for future years to release that a little earlier in the year. So we'll we'll start working on twenty nine nineteen releases uh, fairly soon. And you know, we always want to allow a little bit of time for those games that get published right at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, but we're hoping to you know to work on that for next year. So it it was not um, it was something that we've been we've been working on uh, since I guess the beginning of this year. Um, beginning of 2019, um, but was not really talked about, I guess, publicly until until yesterday's release. Um, so that was, um, so so there there yeah. So for most people in the in the board game world, it really came out of nowhere um, uh, because that was really the first I think first that we've shared publicly about it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was uh, invited to join the committee by um, Eric Yurko, who does uh, What's Eric Playing? Yes. And, um, you know, I think he's, he's definitely one of the, the, the driving forces behind the, the whole idea. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to be part of this group. Um, I think um, they've put together, you know, try, trying to put together a wide range of voices from mostly board game uh, media. So reviewers and podcasters and bloggers, um, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, video, video creators. Uh, and we've basically had a lot of discussions about, you know, what, what we've nominated, we get to nominate games and then we vote on games. And there's been a lot of discussion about, how to categorize games um, because I think no matter how you do it, uh, people are going to be unhappy with the, the limit limit limitations of categories when it comes to board games. Um, we've already seen, I think I've seen some people say, well, why only four, you know, how can you, how can you encapsulate all board games in, in four categories? And uh, I said, well, you, I mean, you can't really, <laughs> but you know that's already one more category than the Spiel des Jahres has, so <laughs> um, I don't think we're going to. I would have just, hit, I would have just said twelve to them, categories. I would have just said to them, "Look, if you all keep bitching about it, we're going to reduce it by one category for every hundred complaints, and you're going to end up with one category, and we're going to be judging every game on one category <laughs> instead." Yeah, so there you go, and it's going to be whether or not it's a game or if it's art. And we're just going to throw it to you <laughs> and let you just argue about it yourself. You know, it's interesting. You're right. You can't. Yeah. It's difficult because, um, you know, it's kind of like the same reason as why I can't see ever um, 
you know, a realistic kind of Metacritic ever taking part in kind of board games because mm. it's all about experience as opposed to sticking and, you know, always sticking a number maybe on the end of it. And people could say, well, let's talk about a strategic game. And you could say, well, I could put Star Realms in there, but I could also put Scythe in there. And, you mm. know, at the same end, and they're completely different games. But, you know, again, it's kind of like... Um, what kind of games come up when you throw something like there, like a strategic game? And then you'll obviously get people with the first thoughts coming up and saying, well, this is what we think. And you kind of judge it. Mm-hmm. You kind of judge it from, from there. Do you think, um, do you think the awards are more important just for people to get some recognition? Because I think there's really only one that everybody talks about, which is, you know, people talk about the Spiel de Jar. I know that, you know, various cons hand out awards at the time. You know, the UK Games Expo mm-hmm. hands out awards to, like, Game game of the Show and stuff like that. But do you think that um, this is maybe a little bit kind of overdue, that we need to start recognising the talent that there is in the industry? You know, I, I and I don't, I don't want to speak for uh, the whole committee, um, but I think one of the one of the visions uh, for the American Tabletop Awards is simply the fact that there there are a lot of uh, you know a lot of countries who are starting to say, hey, you know, German Germany has a Game of the Year award, um, and and that's really cool, but you know why why don't we just why don't we have one too, um, and and I think. Not to say that, you know, we speak for all American tabletop media, uh, but that we wanted to have an award that, that was based on, uh, American, you know, American panelists. Yeah. Um, and, and one that wasn't tied to a specific, um, sort of existing review site or one that wasn't tied to a specific convention. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, that was simply a way for, you know, a panel of judges to highlight and recognize some great games uh, that were published, you know, in in a calendar year, right? To say, hey, these are some really cool games that we think are worth your attention. Um, and and I think the hope is, you know, that that it's a way to bring a little more uh, bring a little more recognition to some particular games that we that we've enjoyed mm-hmm. um you know as like for me as a reviewer uh you know i see a a lot of i see a lot of really great games and you know i can write a review about it and i can share it um but i think you know having having something that that goes outside of you know geek dad like my my little bubble right to to give a give a recognition to to some games yeah that's kind of cool to me mm. right it's like we do a game we do a, you know our geek dad approved seals and we have a a game of the year and there's only one <laughs> there's only one award for that there's no categories you know <laughs> um which is which is difficult and so I, I i really jumped at the chance to say hey here's an here's another place where i can um i think i can lend a little of my um sort of knowledge and background and and you know my reputation toward boosting a game that i like are you going to be head judge then have you decided um who's going to be head judge and is there going to be a battle over who's going to be head judge 
And is it going to end up with there being a splinter between the awards? <laughs> so there's going to be the American Association of Tabletop Awards of America, and then there's going to be the American Tabletop Awards of America Awards Awards, and then you're going to fight over your head judges until there's going to be like eight separate awards where everybody's just their own head judge. Or mm-hmm. is it is it Suzanne? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we we do have some some pretty uh I'd say some pretty outstanding personalities in there that uh, it's, yes. it's hard to say who would who would actually win in a cage match, but you know, oh come Suzanne on, are you actually de- joking me? Definitely- are you actually joking me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, Be- Bebo's in there too. I wouldn't I wouldn't count her out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. It'll be interesting to see. Um, so, is there going to be? Um, is there going to be like a? Are you going to have ceremony? Are you going to have to wear a frock, a dress, a nice little smart outfit to go out? Is there going to be like champagne? Is there going to be after parties? Or I mean, when is the next series of awards? Are they just going to be kind of announced? Do you have statues? No. No, no statues. <laughs> uh, just the, just the seal. <laughs> um. I think the plan is that we're going to try to announce uh, the the award winners in May or June of each year. Wow! Um, I know there's I know there's definitely like some there's already been complaints that that's that's still too late. Um, but uh, you know you want to make sure that people have had time to actually play the games that we're voting on, um, and you know with games releasing in you know as up into December. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to say, well, you know, if you released in November, December, sorry, you're just not, you're just never going to win an award. I think that'd be a funny threat if you just <laughs> put on the, the application. Stop releasing games in November, uh, December. You might as well get the folk on Facebook really happy with how this has been run. <laughs> I would just, see, this is what happens. This is why I would never be allowed to kind of run any award. Because people would say, now, if you're going to do that, you're just going to wind up so many people. And you just see me running away going, okay, <laughs> hold my hold my beer, you know, kind of thing. I mean, you know, there there uh, there's definitely been a lot of conversation happening about the awards uh, yesterday. And I know, you know, there's been complaints about uh, not having enough white men on the on the board. Uh, there's been complaints about the, about the website, some of which we've addressed, some of which we said, Hey, that's a valid, that's a valid complaint. We'll, we'll change that. And, uh, you know, some of them are complaints about, you know, the, uh, the panel bio photos, um, which we say, you know what, everyone got to choose their own photo. Mm. And, uh, if you don't like it, then I guess, you know, don't look at that. That's a kind of a strange complaint, <laughs> but I'm glad I made it. Um, I'm only joking. I didn't. Make it. I can't. I wouldn't do that. I'd be like Domino in like Deadpool two when they're facing off against the Juggernaut. I'd just be like, "Good, no," and I'd be turning around and walking away, kind of thing. Um, so that's exciting. So I take it there'll be details on the website and stuff like that, and everything along those lines that we can kind of check out, which is which is kind of cool. And uh, we'll make sure that we link them where we can, um, good, bad and indifferent profile photos as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I'll now be um, hunted down by Suzanne and 
murdered but you know you can't have everything um so there you go um <laughs> thank you very very much for coming on because uh, i'm very conscious of the yeah. time and you being obviously a stay stay at home dad you're not just a man of leisure that sits around drinking martinis and you know having somebody hoovering the hoovering the house for you um yeah. if people want to keep an eye on you on the internet webs where do we find you on the internet webs jonathan well, you can find me at geekdad.com. That's where I post all of my game reviews. Mm-hmm. And on and on Twitter, I'm uh, at Jonathan H. Lou, which hopefully I guess you can, you know, spell somewhere in your I'll do that. in your uh, <laughs> informational notes. My informational <laughs> my my notes of show. Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. No, I'll do that. I'll, as I say, I'll put the, the links where we have. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, go to the internet webs and search for We Are Not Wizards and you'll find us in different worn-out places and worn-out faces and everywhere else. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and our blog and um, at our website, which is all com and com, where we write reviews as well. But we're not very good at it unless Steve's writing them. Then they are very good, but stay away from the ones that I write because I just, bleh, you know, I write how I talk. I can't help it. I don't talk very well. Um, the other thing you can do is you can check us out on the nearest podcast catchers of your choice. The ones I've got pod in them, the ones I've got cast in them, the ones I've got neither in them, like Spreaker and Stitcher and Spotify and Player FM and just my word there's millions of them and it's a really really bad thing but there you go uh, the other thing you can do is if you like to support the show um, tell somebody else about it because we spread like a horrible plague so thank you anti-vaxxers and the other thing that you can do <laughs> is you can go to Apple Podcasts and you can drop us a subscription you can drop us a rating or you can drop us a review if you are going to be dropping us a rating or a review uh, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big headed but don't give us um, one star because it makes us cry and we're ugly criers give us a 5 because it's in the middle and it's average and I'm just a little bit average but the person who's not being average is rather wonderful, rather fantastic. He's uh, he's the geek dad, but he's not our daddy. It's Jonathan Liu. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> uh, there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Jonathan? No. Fantastic. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Jonathan. Say goodbye, Jonathan. Goodbye, Jonathan. Yes. Uh, that's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, make something awful, and until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. (laughs) 